Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. and welcome to episode 68 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, and joining me as frequent, Scott Coleman, also of Talking Chop. What's up, Scott? Hey, Brad. Thanks for having me back on again. Uh, it's my pleasure, sir, as always. Uh, it's a very interesting week for the Braves. Uh, kind of ugly early on, and then uh, two wins on Saturday and Sunday. Always nicer to record a podcast on the heels of a quote-unquote winning streak, as they've won two in a row here. And Sunday was a uh, if, I, don't, I don't know if it was a good game, but it was a very interesting game. You know, uh, double-digit uh, scoring. The Braves scored 13 runs, and Ender and Ciarte went crazy. So that's a nice little sting to start this thing off with. Yeah, it was fun. It seems like uh, I wasn't able to see the first couple innings, but it seemed like every time I opened up my phone to check a score, both teams had hit about three home runs. So uh, it was definitely an entertaining uh, end to a long road trip for Atlanta. Yeah, there were some there were some scary signs in the middle of the game because the Braves have kind of uh, – been in this pattern where they get into these games that shouldn't be close and they become close. Um, but this one, uh, f- you know, fortunately they were able to break it open and kind of get the win. I will say though, we should probably just dive in here. Uh, Julio Tehran is a guy we got a, a ton of questions about when I put out the mailbag call this week. Uh, he pitched on Sunday. It was not good. Again, five innings, seven runs. Uh, the numbers this season are really, really bad. I'll just go through them right, right quick here. A 5.40 ERA a 5.68 FIP, and a 5.38 XFIP. Uh, also has a career high walk rate at 3.78 point, uh, per nine innings and a career low strikeout rate of 6.89. So all that to say, uh, Julio's not been very good and was bad again here. Are you uh, are you worried about Julio? People are talking about trade stuff. Uh, I'm of the opinion that it's kind of the worst possible time to trade him, but what do you think about Julio right now? You know, you watch him throw, and he just doesn't miss any bats. Um, I mean, he... His fastball seems pretty straight. His breaking pitches are staying over. His curveball isn't, or his uh, his changeup isn't getting out of the zone the way it should. Uh, the Reds hitters were seemingly just kind of teeing off on it every inning. Um, and and we've touched on everyone knows how bad he's been at home at SunTrust, and I'm not sure if that's a mechanical thing, if it's kind of a fluke of how bad he had been at home and pretty decent on the road. Um, really, up until Sunday, he had been more of his regular self on the road. Uh, and then of course he get lit, lit up for, you know, seven or eight runs, whatever it was. So now that we're in June, I, I think there's certainly reason to be concerned. I'm with you. I think a trade now would be selling as low as possible, especially when you consider where his value was maybe six months ago. Um, but I, I think there is cause for concern anytime, uh, your ERA and FIP and all your peripherals are as, as poor as they are, uh, two months into the season, you have to be a little concerned. For sure. And the, on the trade thing, just real quick, it's just... I guess if if a team is willing to pay full price for him, 
um, which I can't imagine right now with the way he's pitching, then I guess you would yeah. have to consider it. But other than that, I've never been huge on the trade Julio bandwagon, if only because you have to have someone pitch for you. Um, and a lot of he's really the only guy who entered the season at least as sort of a safe option. Um, he's obviously been bad. There's no question about that. But you know the BABIP's not unreasonably high either, which is a big a big concern. It's less than 300. Uh, the home runs have really bitten him. Uh, he was okay in his last start on the road. Gave up three runs. Uh, against the Angels and sort of, sort of pretty average there and of course got shelled here so uh, we, you know we talked about this before a couple weeks ago just sort of not buying into the home road splits fully I think it's at least possible that he'll be worse in Central Park than he will away from Central Park just because of the fact that the ball seems to be flying out of there and Julio's always been susceptible to giving up home runs but he's allowing almost two home runs per nine innings and nobody can live like that I mean you have to be able to uh, I guess there are a couple of guys in the league who could maybe survive because they strike out so many guys but Julio's strikeout rate is just not never going to be high enough to survive that kind of home run rate so that's the big thing is just giving up too many bombs but yeah he just looked very very hittable uh and it's uh not too that's not terribly scientific but Julio's stuff's never been that great uh since he sort of arrived it was kind of funny he always came, he's coming up as this sort of the number one prospect kind of guy with this great stuff and his stuff kind of leveled out and he figured out a way to, to sort of pitch uh effectively and not rely on that heavy on that heavy stuff um now it seems like the stuff's even regressed a little bit more. Of course, that, that's anecdotal. It's a very small sample still, even though that we're into June now. It's still a small sample, but uh, not terribly encouraging just because there's not a whole lot to, to grasp onto outside of a lengthy track record. Uh, this season, There's not like, it's not like he's been getting unlucky so far. You know, my, my thought with Julio, and you know, maybe you, you feel differently about this, but if the Braves were looking to win the World Series this year, then I think it would be more likely that they kind of make a, a more of a hasty move with him but look, this is a guy who for the last four years or so has been a really quality pitcher, you know, ERA around 3.5 and a, a fifth that's below four. Um, I think they just kind of have to let Julio work through it. Now, if they want to do a phantom disabled list stint and maybe let him get some time off to clear his head and, and maybe get a start down in Gwinnett to get himself right, um, I'd be fine with that. But considering, again, where the team is, um, obviously that with Julio signed for another three or four years after this, he's somebody that they're going to count on. Um, and, and again, as we said, it would be silly to trade him now at, at just minimal value. Um, I do think they will continue to run him out there. I don't think it's a situation with, with Bartolo or Dickey where uh, they'll be looking to make a change here within the next month or two. Um, I think they just kind of, for better or worse, have to stay the course with Julio and hope he, he figures it out. Yeah, I'm with you. And just for a couple of uh, context things here, his um, his average his average fastball velocity is down a little bit. It's only down less than a half of, half of a mile per hour, but still a career low at 90.7 according to Fangraph. So a little bit of a loss of velocity there. But uh, sort of interestingly, he's throwing his cutter uh, at a career low level and his changeup at a career high level according to PitchFX. So just something to monitor there. Something that maybe that's, maybe that's just not working out well. I don't. I, I will not claim to know. Um, you know, deep diving wise as to why that is or if, whether that's been the reason that Julio's been ineffective, but a couple of just minor changes there that might lead to something down the line. Uh, I would actually probably be talking to our uh, our uh, talking shop expert, sort of deep diver and Ivan to see if he might be able to take a look at Julio and see what's going on there. But anyway, um, it's not a, it's not a situation where I'm where I'm sounding alarm at this point in time. But you know, into June, when your best pitcher has an ERA north of five and no nothing really to say that it's unlucky, it's not the greatest thing in the world. But you kind of have to let, let him ride here. He 
has had some rough patches in the past, and he's kind of bounced back. So I have some faith in Julio. It's just the fact that um, with every passing start here, obviously this was one of his worst of the season, uh, that was not a great sign. But hey, alas, uh, it's going to happen, and people are going to jump on him because as we've seen, uh, you know, immediately I was – it was kind of funny. I put out the mailbag call in the middle of the game, and uh, basically I would say 80% of the responses were Julio-related. That's kind of yeah. the nature of having this thing on a Sunday is uh, we're going to overreact to what we saw on Sunday, but uh, I get it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough to always know where the future is going to take someone like Julio, but you get the sense that he's, you know, he's clearly a guy who has has figured out ways to adjust and kind of change his game on the mound. As, as you mentioned, his stuff has leveled off a little bit. You know, it's it's a twelve game stretch where he's really struggled. At the same time, if if he was terrific over his last twelve games, but you know, his ERA was in the ones, but his FIP and everything was in the threes or fours, we'd be saying, well, he's been great so far, but he's inevitably going to regress and come back to earth. Uh, you could make that same argument, you know, a guy who has a career 3.49 ERA over, uh, you know, nearly 900 big league innings, uh, you know, to judge him off of 66, 67 really poor innings to start this year, I think would be a little silly. For sure. I'm with you all the way. And he'll get, he's the one guy who's going to have a lot of rope just because of the track record and the fact that the Braves aren't invested in him long term. I mean, obviously, aside from the young guys they drafted, he's the only guy in the rotation they have a long term investment with. So we'll see what's going on there with Julio. But we'll, and we'll check back in a, in a week or two and see. Hopefully, things are better at that point in time. Uh, with that said, uh, a lot of news, uh, not not huge breaking like trade stuff, but a couple of things to hit on here. Uh, Adonis Garcia is back uh, with the team, and uh, I guess almost the headliner is uh, Emilio Bonifacio, you know, quote unquote, finally uh, being designated for assignment by the Braves. We can start with Bonifacio because that's been a topic on this mm. podcast quite a bit. Yes, uh, yes. he's he was obviously very very bad and has been bad for a while. He's been a below replacement level player since 2014. I kind of feel bad because it was almost like a celebration when he got cut. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I yeah. mean, he's not yeah. a bad guy, at least from what I know. Uh, people seem to enjoy his work. Um, but, yeah, he's just not been very good, so we should at least talk about that. You know, I thought it was interesting that I think it was Mark Bowman of MLB today after uh, Danny Santana had four home or four hits. Uh, he mentioned that with his four-hit game today, he has one less hit all year long than Emilio Bonifacio had. Um, so I don't think there's any uh, – I don't think anyone's going to miss Emilio too much. Why the Braves even used him for the you know month and a half, two months that they did was kind of mind-numbing. But at the same time, there weren't a ton of answers um, or at least guys who were hitting well enough to warrant a spot. But um, you know, getting him off the bench should only help. But, of course, the bench has been really a, a weak spot so far this year. And hopefully, uh, hopefully Santana is able to keep hitting. He, he's shown a little bit of power. Of course, he was a guy who was pretty good just a couple years ago. Um, and has really fallen off, even if he's able to be a decent utility piece of the Braves, uh, especially with Sean Rodriguez, uh, of course, out for the year, and Jace Peterson getting demoted to AAA uh, with his struggles. So uh, I would certainly prefer Santana over Bonifacio, and I would imagine the Braves are, are probably done with Emilio at this point. Yeah, I would imagine that's the case, although nothing would surprise me. We've said that before about Bonifacio, and he's reappeared <laughs> in our lives. Uh, so Kind of like Michael Bourne. Like, Michael Bourne has been on and off with the Braves for, like, six years now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's funny. I, I think this is probably going to be the end. And Santana, you mentioned the four hits on Sunday. That really helped his numbers quite a bit. He was he had been also kind of brutal early on with Atlanta, but he's at least young, uh, young-ish at 26, and you can at least, you know, 
wink and uh, sort of squint and see yourself as being a, a productive player with Santana, whereas Bonifacio has not been that in you know four years, if not yeah. longer. Uh, yeah. So at least you know you, I, I kind of get it with Santana. The skill set makes a little bit more sense, and uh, you know he has been better uh, to say the least um, than Bonifacio. But without spending too much time on that, we can talk about Adonis as well. Uh, Garcia coming back, we knew that was going to happen. Of course, he had a, a really hot start in his first two games, which made a lot of us look bad, including myself. He was yep. six, he was six of ten in the first two games. Was zero of five on Sunday, so now looking uh, more more normal again. But uh, my bigger takeaway is that he's made three straight starts um, over three games since returning from the DL, which was I know my biggest fear. I think you share that as well. Uh, we, we wanted yeah. to see Riri Ruiz and seeing Garcia, especially against right-handers, uh, even even when he plays well, it's just, it's really, uh, I, I guess the best word is probably frustrating. Yeah, you know, look, Adonis Garcia, nothing against the guy. I know every week it seems like it's kind of a we hate Adonis Garcia movement, and that's not the case. He's a, you know, he's an okay baseball player, seems like an okay guy, but again, 32-year-old third baseman, we've really had two years to kind of see what he can and can't do. Obviously not a guy who's going to be a part of the Braves when they're, you know, really trying to start contending next year, 2019-2020. I hope that that this weekend was more of just getting Adonis some swings in the big league level instead of uh, a sign of things to come. It it really makes zero sense for the Braves to have have Rio in the bigs if he's just going to get one pinch hit appearance every couple days. Um, You know, if they want to sit him against lefties, Whatever. I, I would prefer he faces most lefties so he can see if he can hit uh, lefties at the big league level. He'll never learn or get better if he's sitting on the bench every time there's a, a south pawn the mound. But um, but against righties, there's really no reason for Rio to be sitting. Of course, he sat two out of three starts against uh, uh, the Braves faced two righties this weekend, and Rio was on the bench for both of them. Uh, so hopefully, I, I'm I'm hopeful, but not necessarily optimistic that Snicker will figure this out and get Rio some more bats. But um, for whatever reason, they really just seem to want to keep going to Adonis, uh, for better or worse. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I can say, and uh, I, I'm not sure I even believe this, but the only thing that gives you a little bit of hope on the fact that maybe they'll figure this out and go with Ruiz against righties, especially, is that maybe they, they, maybe they just wanted to get Adonis on the field because he had been out of the lineup and it just happened to be two righties to start things off. Uh, and of course, he went six of ten, so uh, that's kind of you know I guess a small sample. If you're uh, I think Snicker is kind of prone to this more than you and I would be, uh, sort of overreacted to that, to that small sample kind of stuff. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I'm hoping still uh, beyond hope that we're going to see more of Ruiz than Garcia. I mean, against the lefties, if you want to win, Garcia is a better option right now. Uh, yeah. I would still tend to see, go with Ruiz just because it doesn't honestly doesn't matter. I'm, I mean, it's tough to say that, but it almost doesn't matter um, what the results are. I think you want to see what you have in Ruiz if he's just absolutely dreadful over a larger sample against lefties. Maybe you just kind of give up on him as an everyday option moving forward. Um, but until that happens, uh, you know, play him more often than not. But we'll see. I mean, Garcia is a favorite, so well, I don't, I don't think he's going to go anywhere. I just hope he plays less, if that makes sense. And listen, our minor league guys were ranting on this over the weekend. Uh, you know, big picture, if Ruiz is not going to play, he probably shouldn't be on the team. you got to send him back down because he's got to play. Uh, or you're not going to find out anything about him. I don't think you want him to be a – as much as the, the team is better, if he if the, if the big league team is better with Ruiz as a, as a pure bench bat probably, if he's not going to at least play semi-regularly, he's almost better off than Gwinnett. Right, and he's only 22 or 23, so it's not, a, not as if this guy is 26 and has no need to be in the minors anymore. Uh, he needs to be playing every day, whether it's in Atlanta, Gwinnett, or, or with another team. Yeah, it's, it seems pretty easy, and uh, hopefully he'll be playing every day or at least close to it in Atlanta. But uh seems like a 
far less of a uh, no-brainer than it was a couple days ago. I think we kind of uh, were hoping at least, or at least encouraged, that because Rio had, had been playing well, that they were going to ride with him a little bit longer. But that's not necessarily been the case so far, and we'll keep an eye on that, of course. Hopefully that will change in the near future. Um, yes. Other a uh, couple of other smaller moves. That was sort of the bigger one. But uh, Jace Peterson uh, was demoted. He's in AAA now. Uh, Johan Camargo is up. Uh, Peterson's been a guy I've liked for a long time, but uh, I was kind of taken aback. Uh, frankly, I did not understand how bad he'd been this year. The numbers are really really brutal. He has a he has a slugging percentage of two fifty nine on the season in one hundred twenty five plate appearances, uh, which is not uh, again not a very small sample. I mean, it's not a very large sample, I should say. Uh, but the defense is not graded out well in the last year and a half. I still believe he's probably a better defender than that would tell you. But uh, he's not been good for a while now. So I guess it was less of a shock once I realized just how bad he'd been this year. Yeah, and, and I'm kind of with you. I always thought that Jace was going to be able to stick at least as a fringe starter. And this year his numbers were, were downright awful. Um, Johan Camargo is a guy who every uh, every kind of – utility guy who comes up to the brave system seems to get compared to martin prado and i think of all the ones of the last few years to come through he at least has uh the best chance of, of sticking um wasn't a guy who hit a whole bunch in the lower levels of the minors but but hit pretty well in gwinnett and seemed to be playing well down there and of course has you know he could really probably play any position on the diamond other than uh, uh i don't think he has too much experience out in center field um, so again, it, it might just be a, see if you can, you know, see what you have in another guy, uh, Jace, I would imagine will be up at some point inevitably when somebody on the bench gets hurt or in the lineup gets hurt. Um, you know, he's, he is what he is. We've had two or three years now to kind of see him in the big leagues, but, um, you know, I do like Camargo. I think he's somebody who could be a decent utility player at the big league level. And of course, uh, the only way to find out for sure is to get him, uh, you know, at least semi-regular appearances in the field and, and at the plate. Yeah, we should talk about Camargo a little bit because I don't feel like we haven't, um, at least I haven't much in the past. He is young. He's 23. He's having the best hitting season in his career so far. It's a small sample like all this stuff is in Gwinnett, but he's been really hitting the ball well in a way that I didn't frankly see coming. He's been a pretty bad hitter in the minors uh, coming up, um, but if he can kind of hit at a reasonable level, the glove is nice, so maybe he profiles as a, uh, sort of a better player that I've always thought he'd probably be. So, maybe, you know, I'm not sure he's going to hit like he has so far. You know, his w- WRC plus is 135 in, tri- in AAA. That's yeah. not going to happen in the big leagues, but uh, if he can hit a little bit, then he's yeah. a, he, he'd be a very, very solid uh, sort of rotational, um, you know, guy who can play a couple, couple different places and just be a useful bench player. Yeah, he was a guy too in spring training who who you know was kind of the the early darling of all the writers. You know, the guy who would seemingly get some feature pieces done on him early on because he was hitting pretty well. Um, obviously, there's some talent there. Again, nobody's expecting him to come in and, and be a star, but if he can provide the Braves with a little bit of depth off the bench, I'm sure they would happily take it. Oh, for sure. And uh, I mean, if they maybe they just suddenly like him better than than Peterson, that's kind of I mean, that wouldn't shock me at all. Given that, of course, yeah. he, he is four years younger as well. Peterson's not old by any means, but he's 27. Like you're kind of going to get where you're going to get. Well, now. and it, yeah, and at this point, they've seen him. I mean, they've seen you know two and a third seasons or whatever it is. Now they kind of know who he is. Uh, you know, coming up, he was Jace was never a, a star prospect by any means. They got him, I think, I believe, in the Justin Upton deal, and you know, he he was far from the focal point of that. It was just kind of a you know, kind of a fringe big leaguer to help. Uh, you remember, of course, two years ago, the Braves were literally, I mean, more or less holding open tryouts for half of their lineup. Um, so they obviously liked him to just kind of be a fill-in piece. And after two two and a half years. Um, I'm sure they would like to at least give somebody else a shot to kind of take over that utility role off the bench. Yeah, I mean, I, I will always maintain that if Jace was just an everyday second baseman, he would be 
use like useful, like not good. Yeah. Like you'll ne- you never be happy with him. Like he had the one full season, 2015, where he was the guy at second base and had you know he was it was 1.0 WAR uh, on Fangraphs, defended really well, didn't really hit a lot. I mean that's kind of what we're gonna always see from Jace. But you know defensively, yeah. and he's an athlete, he can run a little bit. I think he wouldn't embarrass you, but he's always gonna be a guy where you're gonna want someone better. It's kind of what yeah. it comes down to. And if he if he can't thrive in that sort of play everywhere role that I was hoping he'd be able to thrive in, uh, just because he, he doesn't hit enough, then uh, you know the clock runs out. I mean, he, somebody can use him. I'm sure. I mean, if the Braves don't like him anymore, um, maybe they could probably flip him for basically nothing. But I think he'll be on a team for a while longer because he can play everywhere and the profile. He's an athlete enough to where someone's going to like him enough to have him around. But you know, I think the ship's probably sailed on him being anything more than a, uh, a fringy guy, which is unfortunate because I've always kind of liked Jay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and the nice thing is, though, the Braves right now, if you look at the strength of kind of their hitters and the and the minors, they have so many young kind of up the middle up the middle players with second baseman, shortstop, and everything like that. Um, even if they're ready to kind of move on from Jace, they have Camargo, of course, uh, Albie's, uh, Travis Demerit, who we'll touch on a little bit later. He's been terrific lately. Um, you know, a handful of, of guys up the middle, and you can never have enough infielders. Uh, especially ones that are strong with the glove to just kind of hold things down whenever uh, you need to fill in. For sure. He's useful, and we'll see if he comes back. I think he will, as you said earlier. I think it's pretty safe to assume that we're going to see Jace again at some point this year. You know, someone will get hurt, and that's what happens. Um, last thing on the news front, um, Eric O'Flaherty is back. Uh, Matt Whistler, after a couple Yay. of strong after a couple of strong outings in the uh, in long relief-ish, Whistler uh, got sent down, and the Braves are going without a long man now. O'Flaherty, who's been quite bad, is back. Um Generally, I just don't care about this. I think O'Flaherty is not a guy you want yeah. around, to be honest. But maybe you disagree. Doesn't sound like yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's he's like the guy who, if it's the fifth inning and the Braves starter's already been pulled, then he can come in and face like Bryce Harper, you know, or well, he should have faced Joey Votto or or the team's best lefty. If you're if there's ever a situation to burn, uh, you know, a left-handed pitcher for for one at bat, it's probably Eric O'Flaherty, as long as it's not like you know bases loaded in the ninth. Um, he is who he is. The Braves, you know, obviously have the familiarity with him. Uh, he's kind of the last guy in the bullpen at this point. And, um, you know, and of course, I think they trust uh, Ian Curl and even Sam Freeman more than they would uh, EOF. So, uh, again, not not too much to freak out about considering he's like the 24th or 25th man on the roster. But uh, he, he kind of is who he is. And other than maybe being a lefty specialist every couple games, that's all I imagine the Braves are really give him as far as a role. Yeah, I think we knew. I think we knew this was coming. Honestly, uh, coming in spring training when he was he had the great he had the great numbers in spring training and people got excited and it was like, well, he hasn't been good in a long time. Uh, yeah. he's, he's not good at this point. I think it's pretty safe to say. But yeah, he doesn't kill you just by existing. It's just I, you would hope that he'll be the least leverage guy. I think my fear is that Snicker thinks he's better than he is. But aside from that, um, you know, having him around is not the worst thing in the world. He's just. He's bad. There's probably a guy around that would be more intriguing, and maybe the Braves will go younger with that spot at some point during the season. Yeah. But, you know, it probably takes one or two more implosions, and he'll be out of there. But we'll see what happens. He's, he has helped now, and they've they brought him back. So there it is. Um, all right, let's get away from that. A couple of uh, interesting sort of internal things here. Uh, Talking Chop, uh, I think led by Chris Willis, put ahead – put out these two approval polls this week I thought we should touch on a little bit. Uh, one for uh, Brian Snicker's job performance and one for John Coppolella and the front office's job performance. We'll start with copy, I guess. Um, 88% of our readers slash Twitter followers, almost 1,600 votes, by the way, and this is not not, not that small of a sample, uh, approve of copy's performance and the front office's performance. Did that, did that strike you as high? I was surprised it was that high, to be honest with you. 
I think that the hope with all the minor league kids will, will inflate those numbers. I mean, if you're looking at this year's team, there were obviously some things I think that he would want to do over again. You know, the, the Bartolo and the Dickey experiment has failed miserably. Uh, probably should have added another reliever or two. Uh, the bench has been putrid, as we've touched on. So, I mean, I think that the overall work since he's come in has been more good than bad. Um, of course, it helps, too, that like the Matt Adams deal, which was swung a couple weeks ago, looks pretty great right now, considering what he's done and just the difference in prospect. I mean, really, that trade is going to come down to, you know, a month or two of Matt Adams for and then whatever return you get for him for Juan Yapez. I mean, that's kind of a no brainer. Um, so overall, I've been pretty happy with his work. Of course, the Hector Oliveira trade is going to always kind of sting, especially if if Alex Wood keeps being Clayton Kershaw out in out in L.A., um, you know, there's a few other deals that maybe if they would have, uh, you know, looked elsewhere. I know that the Andrelton Simmons deal comes up uh, as one that could really come back to hurt if Sean Newcomb doesn't figure out how to not walk people. Um, so, again, I'm, I'm overall happy with it. If I had a yes or no, I would vote a yes on it. Um, but you could probably get, roll, you know, kind of down to bare bones. And, and if you really wanted to disapprove of it, um, you know, I wouldn't argue you too much, though, um, at the same time. Uh, until we see where all these these prospects kind of land in two or three years, then we'll truly know uh, if the rebuild is worth it or not. Yeah, I'm with you, and i i would uh, i would have I would have voted for approve. To be honest, I was just surprised yeah. that it was almost that universal because I think anecdotally I've seen a couple people, uh, not even a couple people, more than a couple people that are not terribly happy just because the team is not good at the major league level, and I think most fans. Uh, don't yeah. care much about the future. Uh, yeah. the, the diehards do, and I get that. I, I know you and I do, and I think maybe our readers are probably more disposed to caring about the future than others uh, than the Braves fan, in Braves country. But I, I was still surprised by the number being as high as it was at eighty eight percent. Oh, I think there's very much a part of the fan base that that couldn't care any less about who's in AAA right now and what seventeen year old they just signed from the Dominican Republic. Uh, you know, if if they are a season ticket holder and they're watching the Braves lose more times than not, they're going to be frustrated with you know with good reason. Yeah, and that's the, those are people that I, that I would assume would vote disapprove in this poll, but maybe not, maybe maybe they they didn't see it that day. So it's it's not scientific by any means, but uh, worth talking about a little bit. The other one uh, was Brian Snicker's approval. Uh, his is lower, uh, not surprisingly, because managers uh, get more scrutiny in general. Uh, you can see their actions on a day to day basis in games and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, 67% of our uh, Talking Chop following almost 1,500 votes in this one uh, approve of Snicker's performance. So still a positive approval rating, so to speak, for Snicker. Um, that didn't surprise me. I think a lot of uh, fans seem to like Snicker. I'm not really sure why, to be honest. I don't think he's terrible. I, I'll, I'll just say that for myself. I don't think I would have yeah. voted. I don't think I would have voted approve, to be honest with you. I don't. Th- I've not been impressed uh, by any means. Uh, I do understand the reputation for Snicker being a players' guy, and people seem to enjoy him as a, as a person. I will have no qualms with that. Uh, I'm not love the way he's handled um, guys like Fulty this season, for instance, and even Dansby. Uh, sort of the way he's talked about those guys versus the way he's talked about guys like Cologne and Dickey. It's like uh, he doesn't understand the difference between the two. Uh, I don't really understand that. And, of course, uh, I will always forever be skeptical of his bullpen management and line construction because I don't think he understands either one. So uh, that's just me. I don't think he's the worst manager in baseball necessarily, but I, I would like the Braves to have a more forward-thinking person. That's not a new thought from me. I've been saying that since before he was hired and given the job. Um, yeah. I would have voted disapproved, but I'm wondering where you kind of are on Snicker and if you were surprised by the results on this one. I'm in a similar boat, and when the whole offseason discussion about who they were going to hire was kind of happening and they gave Snicker the one-year deal, I was, I was fine with it. And I, and I think I'm still fine with it now. 
Um, you know, of course, it's easy to go on Twitter and, 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 you know, I'm as guilty of it as anybody, but to second guess a manager when they make a decision and it backfires on them. Well, for every, you know, decision that backfires, they make a, de- a good decision. And of course, uh, you know, that doesn't necessarily get written about. So Snicker is, you know, for this year's team, he's fine. Um, I, I'm with you. I hope it's somebody else. I, from what I've seen from afar, I, I would really uh, push for Ron Washington as the manager next year, especially given uh, his track record and, and his ability to get a lot out of those Texas teams that made the World Series. Um, but again, if, if uh, Snickers around next year, I don't know. I wouldn't be thrilled. Um, but as far as 2017 goes, he's fine for what this team is. Again, they're not trying to win the World Series here. They're trying to uh, you know, stay somewhat competitive and, and get closer towards uh, you know making 2018 a reality. So I would also... I mean, an approval poll, I guess I would approve of him. I mean, it's not like an automatic, no, I hate the guy. Um, but at the same time, I, I'm with you. I would like to see somebody else in uh, next year. Yeah, I've backed off. I've For the most part, I've just kind of let Snickers stuff ride. There's some frustrating things that I uh, uh, would occasionally tweet about because I get frustrated by them. But, you know, yeah. it, it almost doesn't matter much this year, which is why I don't want to work myself into a tizzy necessarily. But uh, just for the record, I'm not a huge Ron Washington fan. I understand the results were <laughs> good in Texas. Uh, as I have a couple of friends, especially one one good friend that was is a diehard Rangers fan, um, so I, I got to experience a little bit more of that than uh, I think Wash is sort of it's a, it's a little bit different mindset, but uh, he's definitely more of the old school players manager type, um, and I would like selfishly to see someone who kind of gets the numbers and stuff more. But I don't know Washington. I think would be an upgrade on Snicker, and I, I you know from from the time he was hired as the third base coach or whatever the first thing uh, rumor was with Washington, uh, I would have said that he was going to be a better uh, managerial candidate than Snicker. But that's kind of a low bar for me. I would like to see him go away from sort of the uh, in house thing. But you know if my if my only choices were Snicker and Washington, I would go with Washington. It's just neither neither guy excites me a ton. But I do understand you know Washington has a track record, so people will be drawn to him and people seem to like him quite a bit. And uh, he's sort of hilarious and. Um, Sort of famous for having a, a vulgar mouth. A lot of people uh, that cover yeah. the team kind of make fun of that because he can't get a sentence. Like you can't quote him because he swears all the time, <laughs> uh, which is hilarious. Um, so I mean, that, that would be entertaining at least for if nothing yeah. else. And I'm just happy it's not Freddie Gonzalez. I think there's every single Braves fan in the world would echo they're happy that Freddie Gonzalez is no longer managing the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, I uh, you know I'm not honestly. This is gonna be weird. I'm not I'm not convinced that Snickers better to be honest with you. But it's just not seeing Freddie. There's this yeah. like nice he thing about waste, him not being there. Yeah, yeah, he didn't waste like three or four teams that were really freaking good. Like if you look at the Braves rosters in like 2012, 13, 14, the fact that they won like one playoff game in those three or four years is really kind of pathetic. And it's it, <laughs> looking back on it now, it's kind of heartbreaking. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think there's a person in the world who would want Freddie back in the Braves dugout. Uh, I'm sure the person's out there somewhere, but, uh, he will not be on this podcast. I will say, <laughs> uh, one mailbag question before we get into a little bit of MLB draft stuff. It came from, uh, Garrett Summers. If Travis Demerit keeps it up, could he make Ozzy Albies become a trade piece or vice versa? We should say that Demerit has been really, really good in Mississippi this year. And, uh, Albies has not been so good in, uh, Gwinnett to be fair, Albies is younger and playing at a higher level, so that has to be said, uh, and so that I won't get my uh, my Ozzy Albies hater thing. This is not my question; someone asked it. Uh, so Scott, um, so what, what have you what have you seen from Demerit? I guess first and foremost, and uh, does that impact the way you think about Albies at all? You know, it's an interesting question, and I, and again, you can never have too much depth in in the whole issue of of uh, you know upside versus floor and everything like that. And you know, we could talk for 
you know, for probably an hour about the differences between someone like Ozzy Albies and someone like Travis Demerit and their their potential to at least be big leaguers and their potential to be total busts. Um, you know, Demerit yesterday, uh, we're recording this Sunday, so Saturday he hit two homers and a triple, walked a couple times uh, to raise his lineup. Of course, remember he's hitting uh, in a very large park, but he's hitting uh, 263 with an OPS of about 810. Um, his WRC plus is 136, which is tremendous for anybody, let alone a middle in, in middle infielder. Um, and again, uh, defensively, uh, over the uh, off season when he was in the Arizona Fall League, uh, Keith Law said he was almost a 70 grade glove, which is phenomenal for those who aren't familiar with scouting grades. It's a 20 through an 80. Uh, very few players have 80 grades at anything. Like Giancarlo Stanton has 80 grade raw power. Um, those are one of the few true 80 grades. So the fact that Travis is, is, has a 70 glove is pretty remarkable. Um, you know, when he came over from Texas, the concern was, well, he hit for all this power and really hit, uh, with the Texas, uh, farm system. Uh, but he was hitting in like Texas and California, New Mexico, where the ball just flew and it was easy to hit, uh, easy to hit there. The fact is he's honestly, when you, when you take in the park effects, uh, he's hit, just as well, if not better, in with the Braves in Double A than he hit ever at any point of the lower levels of the Rangers system. Uh, lots to be excited about. He's 22. He'll turn 23 at the end of the year. Um, and again, just another option for the Braves up the middle. You have Albies, of course. You have Dansby Swanson. Uh, lower levels, you know, of course, uh, Kevin Mighton, uh, you know, projects to be a, an infielder of some kind. Um, so it's exciting. He's a guy with a ton of pop. Uh, you know, pretty good athlete can run a little bit too. And, and we mentioned the defense, so exciting stuff from, for him, for sure. Anytime you have a, you know, a guy with that good defensively, you know, the offense is kind of just a little bit of a boost. And anytime, uh, you have a guy who can hit like he does, he's cut down on the strikeouts too, which was a big issue. Um, it's really pretty exciting. And I think he's somebody who will start to creep into, uh, the top 10, top 12 prospect list for, for, uh, the writers once they start to come out in mid season. Yep, that's uh, that's for sure. I'm excited about him. I mean, he's sort of a guy who's, uh, you know, one of the guys who I think is overperforming what people thought what people thought he was going to be even on the high side so far. So that, that's encouraging. And you know, as for Albies, I don't know. I mean, I'm not worried about Albies. I'm. It's funny because I've always been low on him, but him sort of you know quote unquote struggling at AAA is not surprising to me. He's 20 years old. Like it's yeah. You know, anybody who thought he was going to come up and be good right away in the majors was kind of crazy. It was more of an advanced thing of uh, getting him up and getting him some time. Like him, he was never going to probably be a good major leaguer at 19, 20 years old. So uh, yeah. now that he's, he's still 20 and him struggling a little bit. And by the way, struggling, he's not like been a bad player at yeah. AAA. He's just, the <laughs> bat's like, not been killed. Yeah. Yeah, he's been average, more well, or less. Yeah, but. and the only way, but for me, like that's kind of what you're judged on when you're trying. When you're seeing a guy that's going to be moving that quickly, he has to be killing at a level to go up. And for me, yeah. that, that'd be something yeah. where, especially to go from AAA to the majors at 20, you better be lighting going out on fire, and he's not. So right. that's not a shot at him any by by all by. Uh, sorry, I almost said Albies by all means. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just I, I don't. I don't, I'm not worried about Ozzy Albies at all. It's just there's no reason to rush him, especially as long as Brandon Phillips is playing competently and he has been competent so far this year. Uh, there's no reason at all to push Ozzy Albies, and he won't be pushed at least unless he starts killing the ball. And, and Gwinnett, I wouldn't imagine. Yeah, I'm with you. I think he might get a cup of coffee in September so the Braves yeah. can kind of see what he does against a big league curveball. And, you know, he has a ball go through his legs in the field and see how he reacts. But, um, again, I, I think they'll keep uh, Brandon Phillips at least for a while. And even if – they did get rid of Brandon Phillips in a trade. I almost think they might go with like Johan Camargo and Jace Peterson at second instead of bringing up Albies. 
Um, that's again, not a knock on Ozzy. It's just, he's a 20 year old middle infielder. He broke his elbow about nine months ago. Um, and he has, you know, considerable ways to go before he's an everyday big leaguer. Uh, that's not a knock on him. It's just kind of the, the truth and matter of fact. And, um, hopefully he's able to keep improving and, and hit, <clears throat> hit a little bit better and, and continue to get it comfortable in the middle infield. Yeah. If they traded Brandon Phillips today, which they should consider doing because he's been pretty good and might have some value. If they did that. Uh, I would certainly go to a Peterson Camargo platoon yeah. before I went to Albies. Same uh, here in June. I mean, there's no reason at all. Um, you know, in September, if especially if he's been good once the rosters expand, there's little penalty to doing that. Then maybe, but uh, he's actually yeah. a guy that you might care about service time with. I, I wouldn't probably necessarily, but um, that's something to consider as well. They're going to be hesitant to pull him up. So if, if he's not going to be playing every day, there's no reason to bring him up. And uh, yeah. even then, he's not ready for that right now. So uh, with that said, um, we could get into some draft stuff here before I let you get out of here. Um, I'm actually just going to tee you up here. Uh, the draft is a week from Monday, so people listen to this probably on Monday. A week from today, as you listen to this, the Braves uh, have uh, you know not quite as advertising picks uh, this year as last year. They have a couple of less picks um, then I'll let you get into that as well. But a couple of uh, obviously a lot of spotlight on the number five pick overall as the Braves had that had that pick and uh, Coppy's been pretty creative. You know, last year no one had Ian Anderson being the number three pick a couple of weeks yes. before the draft. So yeah. uh, sort of we can go all over the board here, but I'll just tee up and kind of let you go on this one. Yeah, I am. A, I love the draft, uh, MLB draft, NFL draft, NBA draft. I get all in on it. I kind of geek out over the drafts. Uh, you know, the Braves this year and, and you mentioned. Uh, last year they had the third pick, the 40th, the 44th, the 76th, and the 80th. And really, while you do have the five picks, it, it's also about the money. And that was kind of the overlying theme of last year's draft was the Braves kind of manipulated the system to to spend their money wisely. This year they have three picks in the top 80. They have five, uh, 41, and 80. Um, you know, I think that and we every time we come on, it seems like we say this, but, you know, for fans, more casual fans or someone not real in tune, uh, you know, baseball teams should not draft for need when whenever they draft. You know, if the Braves were to take a first baseman with the 41st pick, you know, it's it's because they think he's going to be a really good hitter and they'll find a spot for him. It's not because they have Freddie Freeman. You know, the response should be, well, that was a horrible pick. They, they have Freddie Freeman there. He's never going to play. At the end of the day, you're going to take all the talent you can get. Um, with that said, there are a handful of guys uh, who have been linked to the Braves at number five. It'd be kind of silly to, to link people at 41 and 80 because, of course, there's no idea uh, who's going to be there. But some of the names that you'll hear over the next week, um, all guys who may or may not be there. Um, the consensus top prospect in the draft is Hunter Green. Uh, he's a shortstop and a pitcher. He's out of a San Diego high school. Um, I would imagine the Braves are enamored with him, especially given he has all the tools and could be a pitcher or a hitter, uh, you know, a, a strong shortstop. Uh, that said, he's has a chance to go number one. If he doesn't go number one, he he's probable to go number two or number three to either Cincinnati or San Diego. Um, naturally, being from Southern California, uh, the Padres are likely to be all over him if, if he's still there at number three. Uh, there are also rumors that he wasn't going to sign a deal with teams if, if it wasn't with the Padres so we could stay close to home. We'll see if that's just draft chatter or what. Uh, but I would, again, I would imagine Hunter Green won't be there at number five for the Braves. Uh, the other guy who seems to be uh, not a consensus but likely to go very high is Kyle Wright, who, of course, some SEC fans are familiar with, uh, big right-handed pitcher out of Vanderbilt. Uh, it seems like the latest mocks have him going number one uh, into Minnesota. Um, 
again, I'm, I'm sure the Braves would love to get him given his floor and projectability, his frame. Uh, he's ranked as the number two prospect by Baseball America behind Hunter Green. Um, I would imagine he goes somewhere in the top three or four, especially if, if he's there at four. I think Tampa Bay would be all over him. Um, but we'll see. Uh, the guy who in Baseball America mocked him to the Braves uh, last week is Mackenzie Gore, who, again, uh, some of Braves country. He's from uh, he's a high school pitcher, uh, a lefty pitcher out of North Carolina, uh, right in the heart of Braves country. So you can already see the uh, Mackenzie Gore grew up a Braves fan article writing itself. Um, but with Gore, uh, nasty stuff from the left side, kind of similar to a honestly a Colby Allard. Um, kind of has a funky delivery, has a, a weird leg kick, and we'll see if, if he sticks with that once he becomes a pro. But um, another guy who was kind of consensus top three, top five overall player, uh, as I said, Baseball America, uh, mocked him to the Braves. There's a chance, there, there's talk that if uh, if Hunter Green and Kyle Wright aren't there, that the Padres or the Rays could be all over him at three or four, uh, of course, taking him before the Braves. Um, probably the best college hitter in the draft is, is Brennan McKay. He's a first baseman out of Louisville. Um, again, probably the best college bat. He, he's a first baseman. He also pitches a little bit, but I think most scouts would argue he's a, uh, he's a hitter long-term. Um, personally, I, I don't think the Braves are really going to look at him. Uh, it's been a while since they've taken a college hitter with their first pick. I can't tell you the last, uh, college hitter they took in the first round. It's been a long time. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that he wouldn't go to the Braves at five. Um, he is a guy that for a while was considered the, the number one pick and has seemingly fallen off just a tad. Uh, we'll, of course, see where, where the top dogs go. Um, and then finally, Royce Lewis is a shortstop and potential outfielder. Uh, he's out of California. He's a high school kid. Uh, Keith Law mocked him, uh, mocked Royce Lewis to the Braves in his latest one. Uh, really fast, strong glove. Uh, his bat is a little more of a project, and, and he's a guy who is uh, probably the rawest of everybody who we've mentioned so far. Um, but again, he has the speed. He has the glove. Um, I think Law mentioned in his write-up of him uh, that if the Braves were to take him, they would move him to center field. Uh, most scouts feel he's a center fielder long-term. And of course, as we've mentioned, the Braves have Dansby, they have Albies, they have Demerit, uh, many middle infielders. So um Royce Lewis is also said to be somebody the Braves are really interested in, and, and it wouldn't be a shocker if, if his name is called at five on uh, next week. Yeah, I'm, uh, I tend to uh, defer to the people that are smarter than me, so uh, I, I put a lot of weight in the Keith Law stuff, especially in Baseball America. I talked to Carlos on the podcast last week. Those guys are doing a great job, and Carlos is dialed in. So I'll be, I'll be wearing out his phone in the next uh, week or so because uh, he'll at least have some insight that I won't have. And uh, you've been studying it more than I have as well. But those are the you know, those are sort of the names that I've been hearing that you just talked about. Uh, would not surprise anybody if the Braves went off the board and did something crazy because that's what yep. they do. Um, yep. But hey, uh, I, I think it's safe to assume they're going to go for upside. Uh, you know, the Ian Anderson thing. The early returns are very very good on that. People seem to like him quite a bit. Um, he's still very young, but he's been very very good this year. So uh, that's that's looking smart considering all the money they saved on that and uh, used elsewhere. So there you go. Um, you know, the drafts, it's very difficult. Like for me, like I'm a big NBA person and, uh, that's sort of my primary gig online these days. And that's a very, very different draft to evaluate than baseball, uh, just because you have so much more data and people are arriving to, you know, not as, I think the NFL people will make a a more immediate impact than in the NBA. Um, but there is a set, it it is a seven round draft. There's so many, so many, so many more places to, uh, pay attention to the NBA draft, uh, the upside is higher. Uh, usually, you're looking for uh, one guy can sort of swing a franchise in a way that no one outside of a quarterback position, if at all, can do. But uh, 
you know who the guys are and you know kind of what you're looking for. And it's uh, there's a little bit more uh, need-based drafting than there is in baseball. So it's tough for me uh, to dive in fully. So I'll rely on people like you and Eric and our guys, uh, Garrett and Garav. We talked a little bit about the draft with Garav a couple weeks ago as well. So uh, we'll be doing a little bit of a debrief uh, after the fact for sure on the pod um, because I'm going to need to gather my uh, my own stuff. But I've been watching a little bit of film on the top guys at least just to see, uh, you know, kind of sort of my armchair analysis. But uh, uh, this is, I will fully admit this is not my wheelhouse, so I'll be relying on the same stuff you guys are and the people that scout more than I do. Uh, so that's just my mea culpa here because I'm as clueless as, any, as anybody else most of the time on this stuff. <laughs> no, it's, it's fun. I mean, and again, there's the, as you mentioned the NFL. Yeah, if you need a cornerback, you're probably taking a corner in the first round. If you need a running back, you're you know you're you're taking one of the top guys near the top. Um, the Braves, I, I think, if I'm a betting man and I am, uh, <laughs> I would imagine that they take a a pitcher. Um, though again, they've been said to like Royce Lewis. Of course, if if Hunter Green somehow slipped, I'm sure they would be all over him, and maybe they surprise and take a college bat in Brendan McKay. Uh, but as you said earlier. If you go back and look at the mock drafts one week out from last year's draft, I guarantee you that nobody had Ian Anderson next to the Braves' Braves's name, um, and I'm sure uh, it, it really shouldn't be too much of a surprise if you know whenever the Braves step up or, or when uh, whoever it is now that announces the picks that the draft steps up, uh, if it was somebody that nobody had mocked to the Braves over the last three months, uh, we really shouldn't be that surprised. Oh, not at all, uh, and that's one of the things that's crazy about this time of year. But uh, you know, when we draft, it'll be interesting. Dial in, you know, for a team like the Braves, uh, this thing gets more attention than most because the Braves aren't uh, in the win now mode that a lot of teams are. So uh, I think this fan base, at least a lot of them, are tra- are trained to look ahead, and that has uh, uh, resulted in a lot more attention on the draft than in previous years. I think last year, the year before, was a what was a record breaking day on TalkingChop.com just for uh, yeah. sort of page views and traffic that kind of stuff. So people are interested in this in a way. That I wasn't uh, always sure that they were. So uh, there you go. That's a little primer for the first round. Uh, I will uh, plug the Road to Atlanta podcast because they're definitely going to be getting deeper on this than we will. So if you check them out uh, in addition to us because they're the prospect gurus on this thing. But uh, there you go, man. Um, well, Scott, I appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, we could probably do this for hours because it's you and I. We could just talk about Braves baseball forever. But uh, we should wrap this thing up here. Do you have anything to uh, plug on this fine Sunday? I'm not sure what you have in the hopper. So tell the people where they can find your stuff as well. Yeah, I believe the plan is for Tuesday. I've been working on something, um, taking a look at who is going to be the first Brave to get traded. Um, so obviously there's many options there uh, without, you know, <laughs> if I could tease it. I mean, Jaime Garcia makes a lot of sense. Matt Adams, the way he's hit with Freddie Freeman around. Uh, we touched on uh, with Brandon Phillips and, of course, relievers, Jim Johnson, Busy. Uh, all those guys. So I think that's coming on Tuesday, just kind of seeing who the first Brave will be to get moved. Um, you know, I look back and last June, uh, the Braves swung two deals. They sent uh, they sent Kelly Johnson to the Mets uh, and they sent Bud Norris uh, to the Dodgers. So, um, you know, June trades do happen. Of course, all the good stuff is generally the last week or two of July. But um, I wouldn't be shocked if the Braves made a move in the next couple weeks. And, and we'll try and take a look and see who uh, who might be the first to go. Yeah, I have to uh, come up with something as well. I'm on for Wednesday uh, in a feature length type of thing. So uh, I candidly have no idea what I'm going to write about. So uh, there you go. it's going to be interesting to see what I come up with between now <laughs> and Wednesday midday. So there's that. We'll look, we'll look behind the curtain. Uh, Who should the Hawks draft? Yeah, that would be a good that'd be a good talking chop piece. Uh, That's right, with. yes. <laughs> uh, actually, it was funny. I had an idea for a post. This is uh, – 
uh, a little bit more inside baseball. I had an idea for a post that I was going to start sort of prepping for. And I looked in our uh, I looked in our editor, and I've been out uh, most of this week, and uh, somebody already wrote it. So, well, not the there same thing, but it was like uh, basically the idea is like, all right. Well, I can't do that. That got written on like Friday or Thursday. So uh, that yeah, was my one yeah. idea, and now we start over. And this is the nature of what we do, Scott. We we know the deal well. That's right. Uh, well, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. We'll have to do it again uh, shortly. Just for people's uh, reference, uh, there will not be a show next Sunday because it feels incredibly silly to record a podcast Sunday night when the draft is Monday night. So uh, we'll hold off. I'm either going to record uh, on Monday or two, either Monday late, very, very late into the night. Probably That's probably unlikely. Probably, it's probably going to be Tuesday. Uh, and then uh, that'll be the show for the following week. So uh, I apologize for that in advance, but it didn't make a whole lot of sense to record on Sunday night when the draft was Monday. So we'll react to that in some form or fashion uh, after the fact. And uh, until then, for sure everybody listening, please subscribe to the show if you've not done it already, and uh, we'll check us out. We'll be back again then. So enjoy the rest of your day.